0: Matthew Henry says concerning Ruth 4, in this chapter we have the wedding between Boaz and Ruth, and the circumstances of which there was something uncommon, which is kept upon record for the illustration not only of the law concerning the marrying of a brother's widow, from Deuteronomy 25 5, etc., for cases help to expound the law, but of the gospel too. For from this marriage descended David and the son of David, whose espousals to the Gentile church were hereby typified. Hear now the reading of God's inspired word, Ruth 4, starting at verse 1. Then went Boaz up to the gate and sat him down there, and behold, the kinsman of whom Boaz spake came by, unto whom he said, Ho, such a one! Turn aside, sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. And he took ten men of the elders of the city and said, Sit ye down here. And they sat down. And he said unto the kinsman, Naomi, that is come again out of the country of Moab, selleth a parcel of land, which was our brother Elimelech's. And I thought to advertise thee, saying, buy it before the inhabitants and before the elders of my people. If thou wilt redeem it, redeem it. But if thou wilt not redeem it, then tell me that I may know. For there is none to redeem it beside thee, and I am after thee. And he said, I will redeem it. Then said Boaz, What day thou buyest the field of the hand of Naomi, thou must buy it also of Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of the dead, to raise up the name of the dead upon his inheritance. And the kinsman said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I mar mine own inheritance. Redeem thou my right to thyself, for I cannot redeem it. Now this was the manner in former time in Israel, concerning redeeming and concerning changing For to confirm all things, a man plucked off his shoe and gave it to his neighbor. And this was a testimony in Israel. Therefore the kinsman said unto Boaz, Buy it for thee. So he drew off his shoe. And Boaz said unto the elders and unto all the people, Ye are witnesses this day, that I have bought all that was Elimelech's, and all that was Chilion's and Melon's of the hand of Naomi. Moreover, Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of Melon, have I purchased to be my wife, to raise up the name of the dead upon his inheritance, that the name of the dead be not cut off from among his brethren and from the gate of his place. Ye are witnesses this day, and all the people that were in the gate and the elders said, We are witnesses. The Lord make the woman that is come into thine house like Rachel and like Leah, which too did build the house of Israel. And do thou worthily in Ephrathah, and be famous in Bethlehem. And let thy house be like the house of Pharez, whom Tamar bare unto Judah. Of the seed which the Lord shall give thee of this young woman. So Boaz took Ruth, and she was his wife. And when he went in unto her, the Lord gave her conception, and she bare a son. And the women said unto Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, which hath not left thee this day without a kinsman, that his name may be famous in Israel. And he shall be unto thee a restorer of thy life and a nourisher of thine old age. For thy daughter-in-law, which loveth thee, which is better to thee than seven sons hath borne him. And Naomi took the child and laid it in her bosom and became nurse unto it. And the women, her neighbors, gave it a name, saying, There is a son born to Naomi. And they called his name Obed. He is the father of Jesse, the father of David. Now these are the generations of Phares. Phares begat Hezron, and Hezron begat Ram, and Ram begat Aminadab, and Aminadab begat Nashon, and Nashon begat Salmon, and Salmon begat Boaz, and Boaz begat Obed, And Obed begat Jesse, and Jesse begat David. Thus far, the reading of God's holy word from Ruth chapter 4. Here, verses 1 through 8, Boaz clears his right to marry Ruth. Notice verse 1, God's remarkable providence. Behold, the kinsman of whom Boaz spake came by. This is what he told Ruth about, the one who is nearer than him. Notice he's putting their marriage on the fast track. The Bible does not encourage long engagements where people are going to get married and put it off for long times. God expects if you're going to get married, you should do it pretty soon. And that's what Boaz has in mind. Notice he says, Ho, oh, such a one. This is the name of this man. In fact, in the Septuagint, his name is O Hidden One. O one." concealed over without his name being mentioned you'll notice how many names are in this chapter we have the genealogical names we have the name of Boaz we name Ruth we have the name of the dead we have the name of Naomi and we have so-and-so that's literally what it means in Hebrew in fact there are two words of indefinite meaning such a one so-and-so that's literally what his name is That's what Boaz calls him, the unnamed man, the hidden one, whose name and shame are covered in silence. Now I count about 20 named individuals. This one is unnamed. Boaz also takes 10 men of the elders of the city. He wants to keep a legal witness that they may render judgment on the events and circumstances of this case. The gates are where the elders would sit for judgment, where matters of personal interest, business, or government were covered. He says, Boaz does, to so-and-so, verse 3, that Naomi selleth a parcel of land, which was our brother Elimelech's. Now, he just mentions the selling of the land at first. He uses what we call ambiguity. He doesn't tell him the whole case. First he tells him about the land and draws in his interest, and then he repels his interest with the mention of Ruth the Moabitess. He says that, you'll see there in verse five. He says, verse four, there is none to redeem it beside thee and I am after thee. There is a legal succession. I am next to succeed after you, so-and-so. So, So, so so-and-so initially accepts this offer. He wants the land. And then he's informed that Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of the dead, must be purchased as well. And you must raise up the name of the dead upon his inheritance. Now again, the Bible only mentions brethren as if you have just a man and his brother. But logically, you can reason if there's no brother, then there must be cousins. And if there are no cousins, there must be second cousins. And if there are no second cousins, there might be remote cousins. So this is what we're talking about here. Boaz is next in line in succession. So, will you take this land? Yes. Will you take the land with Ruth, the wife of the dead? This will not be your inheritance. It will be your brother's inheritance. You must take his childless widow, you must raise her fortunes, you must restore her land. And this was a scripture duty that God imposed upon Israel for the next of kin, typifying our redemption by our next of kin, even our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 6, what does the man say? Will he do it? He says, I cannot redeem lest i mar mine own inheritance i want my sons to inherit my lands if i buy this land it won't even go to my sons it will go to somebody else's son with his name and his inheritance i'm not going to mar it perhaps also he doesn't want to have a Moabitus. the westminster annotations observe this with his carnal reasonings and for worldly ends, he dispenseth with his obedience to the express law of God. Is the word of God your inheritance? Because for him, it wasn't. The statutes of God were not his inheritance. He merely looked to lands and houses and buildings. That's what he thought of. He didn't think, should I do what God commands me? That's what Boaz thinks. This man does not think so. What is our chief care in life? Are we concerned with our worldly goods, our looks, our clothes, our toys, our money, our self-preservation, our own interests and desires, or seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, listening to his word? Now notice they plucked the man's shoe off, they gave it to his neighbor, And this was a testimony, it says, in Israel, verse 7. This is a confirmatory seal. That's what it means by testimony. This is how they confirm this legal action where he denies it. They take his shoe off, signifying shoes were the form of ownership. You would walk upon the land upon your shoes. If you had your foot on the neck of your enemies, it means you owned them, you conquered them. So the land under your dominion is under your feet, in other words. So the shoe is removed, his dominion is removed. And in Deuteronomy, we find that the woman would spit in his face publicly before the elders of the city. Verses nine through 12, we have the public solemnization of the marriage with accompanying benedictions. Notice here verse nine. And Boaz said unto the elders and unto all the people, Ye are witnesses this day that I have bought all that was Elimelech's and all that was Chilion's and Malon's of the hand of Naomi. Notice here again the legal succession. Elimelech, their brother, is dead. His goods go to his sons. His sons are dead. What happens next? Well, it goes to both the widows. That's what happens. The portion that belongs to Melon that goes to Ruth the rest of the portion goes to Naomi but he has to buy it and he's saying that's what I'm doing I have come to redeem Naomi may be the principal heiress but what is she she's a widow she has nothing she has no goods she's indebted her lands are mortgaged I must buy them I must redeem them that's what he's doing Boaz is a type of the redemption we have in Christ who raises our fortunes releases us from the sin debt and raises us up as a seed unto God what about so and so what's he a type of well the ineffectual the barren the man-made worldly interest that John was talking about remember he said we are of God and they are of the world therefore they speak just of what worldly interest that's it that you may have your best life now or some nonsense like that. They're not teaching you what God says you ought to seek after. And this is what so-and-so does. He's just interested in himself in building his worldly goods. Boaz is interested in raising the fortune of the helpless, redeeming them according as God has given him commandment. Verse 10. Moreover, Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of Malon, have I purchased to be my wife to raise up the name of the dead upon his inheritance. Notice, Boaz is seeking resurrection. He's seeking release for whom? For the dead, for somebody else, not for himself. He's not a man interested in building his own kingdom. He's interested in building the kingdom of God. So, note then, as they are witnesses of these transactions, they issue benedictions. They say in verse 11, We are witnesses, the Lord make the woman that is come into thine house like Rachel and like Leah, which two did build the house of Israel, and do thou worthily in Ephrata, and be famous in Bethlehem. Now, this word worthily is the same word used of Ruth, virtuous. Ephrata means a place that is fruitful. Bethlehem, the house of bread. Do thou worthily in this fruitful land, this house of bread, all this typical of our Lord Jesus Christ. Shadows and types. Jesus Christ who gave himself as what? The bread of life. Where was he born? In the house of bread. What does he bring? Fruit unto God. All this in this history of Boaz and in these benedictions. Notice there verse 12, a very unlikely name to be used in a benediction at a wedding. And let thy house be like the house of Pharez, whom Tamar bear unto, who? <laughs> Judah. Of the seed which the Lord shall give thee of this young woman, do you know what Tamar and what this woman Ruth have in common? Gentiles outside of the covenants of promise, grafted into the people of God, bringing forth fruit. That's what they have in common. And was this a beautiful, picturesque marriage by which Tamar bare this boy Phares Not in the least. Do you remember the history? Judah goes off and refuses because his sons are so evil One son is killed by God when he marries Tamar and so the next son is supposed to go in and do the brother's business and he won't do it and so God kills him too and then Judah says wait a second she's the problem but I'll tell her my younger son will take you later and it never happens. So what does Tamar do? She tricks Judah as a prostitute. She sells herself and tricks him and then he condemns her to death, but he is actually the guilty party or more guilty than she is. These are dirty facts that God has recorded in his word to demonstrate his grace and this is the blessing that is pronounced on Ruth and the seed that God will give. God is very merciful. And where sin abounds, his grace much more abounds. Now it appears that by this point, at least, she is present. Because in the benediction, what do they say? This young woman, she's there. She's listening to this. She's receiving the benediction. Then we have further benediction, verses 13 through 22. The genealogy of David and his greater son. Note, God fulfilled the benediction. Boaz took Ruth and she was his wife. And when he went in under her, the Lord gave her conception and she bare a son. Children are a gift from God. Anyone who is convinced otherwise is not convinced by God, but rather by the devil. And notice verse 14, the woman, or excuse me, the women said unto Naomi, blessed be the Lord, which hath not left thee this day without a kinsman, that his name may be famous in Israel. Now, do you remember when Naomi returned in chapter one? Was she blessing the Lord? Was she praising God? No. And so what are they doing? They're saying, blessed be God. And indirectly, Naomi, you ought to be blessing God too. And they'll do this again. We'll see in a moment. Blessed be the Lord. Naomi, bless God together with us. You who call yourself Mara, we call you Naomi. We call you pleasantness and we call you to bless God. God has a redeemer that he has appointed to raise your fortunes. If only you could open your eyes to this, Naomi. These are the same women that she said, Call me not pleasant, call me bitter. Now they're telling her, look, we're not going to call you bitter. The women blessed God and stirred her up to do the same, Gil says. Now this blessing concerns Obed, not Boaz. Obed is the one to whom they're referring that will raise her fortunes. The seed of Boaz, the seed of the Redeemer, will raise her fortunes. And notice also verse 15, remember, I went out full and I've come back, what, empty. Just me and this other widow. I have nothing. He shall be unto thee a restorer of thy life and a nourisher of thine old age for thy daughter-in-law, which loveth thee, which is better to thee than what? Seven sons. You thought you came back empty? You came back fuller than you ever had at Naomi. She is so good to you. Do you see God's providence Can we have our eyes opened up to see for a moment what God is doing in our lives? It's very hard, isn't it? It's very difficult. We grumble. We complain. We're not thankful to God. We often complain of his providence. But not so. Blessed be the Lord, Naomi. Remember this daughter-in-law you said was like nothing, she's better than seven sons unto thee. Let us learn to view our personal circumstances through the lens of divine providence, through God's tender love for us, looking to the good he has done to us, not to the evil we suppose he's inflicting upon us. We will have ample cause to bless the Lord for his mercy, for his goodness, for his faithfulness and truth. Now let me ask you, do you wish to be bitter? Do you wish to be sour? Do you wish to dry up on the vine? Well then grumble away and look at all the bad things that you suppose are in your life. Look to your status of victimhood, pout, feel sorry for yourselves, make a list of the ways that you've been wronged and you will soon be miserable enough. Let us learn in this way to give thanks to God, even in hard times. This was the mystery that Paul learned. He learned how to be abased as well as how to abound how to be empty and how to be full how to be rich and how to be poor paul had learned the mystery of contentment let us do likewise naomi needed to learn this secret and so do we naomi then took this child obed she laid it in her bosom and became nurse unto it now laying the child in her bosom shows a tender love and affection and most conceive that this is not a wet nurse but a dry nurse here and the women of her village call this boy's name Obed like Obadiah it means a slave means a servant again here is another type of our Lord Jesus Christ he will raise the hopes of the widow who is it the servant the slave this slave will give birth to David He will bring forth a Messiah. The servant of the Lord is our Lord Jesus Christ, who became obedient unto death. This Obed, this servant, he is the father of what? Jesse. Do you know what Jesse means? A wealthy man. The servant goes down and is humbled, and then what happens? Then the crown comes afterwards. It's a picture of Christ. Christ was humbled and became obedient and suffered. And then the glories that followed through the resurrection. So too we. We must suffer together with him if we would reign with him. And so here you have the service before the riches. Obed before Jesse. He is the father of Jesse, the father of David, the beloved, that's what David means, the anointed king, the sweet psalmist, the prophet of the Most High, the suffering servant of the Lord, David himself. And thus far, the explanation of Ruth, chapter 4, and the conclusion of the book of Ruth.